Life's Learning Curve, episode 54. From the Fox River Valley, we are podcasting at you right here today in the mid-Midwest. You've got Life's Learning Curve, the podcast. I'm your host, Paul Hart, and we are in search of finding a better us as usual. And how do we do that? We do that through nonfiction storytelling. Retellings. Retellings. Now, for today's true and real-life episode, for me, this unfolded like a classic cinema movie, because in this episode, I learned something huge, respect and dignity. (laughs) Now, I'm going to go back to my early 20s. At that time, I was at a point in time where I was quite impressionable and came across a guy who, well, uh, I guess you'd say, you know what, you'll find out. I'm going to explain about this guy. I also learned something pretty major about the misuse of shaving cream. (laughs) So let's get this going. Sebastian. Life's Learning Curve. I'm Paul Hart. Episode Captain Video. Stand by. Hey, first of all, I got to tell you, I am not the Captain Video referenced in the title. However, my experience with Captain Video began back around... My third year of teaching in my teaching career in the mid-1980s. But in this story, I found out something. Something about honesty and ethics and how naive I was most of my life. But now, to set the story up properly, let's go back just a bit farther. Back when I was little, the mid-1960s. Thanks to my dad's interest in technology, my father, who was a elementary school principal, often was charged, or he volunteered, I don't know which one it was, to try out and test new educational technology for the school system, where he worked as a principal, as I said. Next, he would present the new technology to other district principals after he had gone through it. He would explain the uses and some ideas and applications for the new technology. So back at home, we often had my dad excitedly explaining to the four of us at the home dinner table what new technology had just come in at his school. Now this is 1960s technology, film cameras, reel-to-reel tape recorders, tape players with breakout bars, which could plug in 12 sets of headphones, eight millimeter film cameras that needed to be developed, the pictures. Then my dad was careful he would bring home this new cutting-edge technology before he presented it to other principals or his staff. But he'd bring it home for a weekend only, and his purpose was a good one. He made sure that the environment was controlled around the new technology equipment. It was a safe setting, and then my dad would run the new technology past some neighborhood kids. Wow! He wouldn't hand it to them, but he'd use it and show them what it could do. Also, our neighbors and friends, anybody that stopped by that weekend, he would go through the new technology. He was like a scientist. He asked questions of all of his kids, and he took notes as we used the new technology. Then he evaluated what he had done as well. One time, I recall that my dad had brought home this brand spanking new reel-to-reel tape recorder. It was, the brand was, I believe, Woolensack. I I hope I'm saying that right. Woolensack, good company. I think it's still around today. Now this tape, reel-to-reel tape recorder and playback device was about the size of a modern-day home printer. So it had some bulk to it. Then a very young me, about six years old, I guess, 
and my dad would run this reel-to-reel recorder through its paces. Next, he would ask my mom, who is also a teacher, questions, what she thought about it, how it might be applicable to her classroom. Now, every neighborhood kid that came through the house, he would ask, What do you think you could use this for at school? Do you think it would be useful? Is it practical? Could you use this or run this yourself, or do you think you need an adult to use this? By sourcing out the neighbors and literally doing tests, brainstorming, experiments, all of this, my dad would generate a list of practical school uses for this brand new reel-to-reel tape recorder. Now, for me, I was six. I just thought of it as fun. I remember ideas that came up that weekend, not a lot, but a lot. He'd written down a lot, but I remember one was, you know, if a student, um, kids often break bones and things. If they break their writing arm, perhaps they could do some of their uh, schoolwork on the tape recorder. Seemed to be very practical, a good practical application. Another was, I remember, you could work on enunciation or your speech of some kind. After hearing yourself recorded and you hear your playback of your own voice, students' speech hopefully would improve if they got to hear it. Now, back when I was six, I was very interested in a topic, and it was steam power, steam engines. It probably came from my grandfather who had worked on a steam engine when he was a boy, so he knew a lot about steam and what steam power could do. So that weekend, with my dad's help, I recorded a few facts into the reel-to-reel tape recorder about steam power, and then I drew some pictures to better illustrate, you know, for better understanding, six years old. It took me almost an entire day, which is a lot for a kid that age, because generally if you whip off some pictures when you're six, you're doing it in like 20 minutes or 10 minutes or less. But after recording my facts with my dad's help and then drawing my rough illustrations, I finally had the opportunity to show what I'd done to my parents. My simple five drawings, and they were basic, along with my tape-recorded jumbled facts, basic as well, I had made a simple primitive presentation. I gave that presentation to my parents. Not long. Don't think I was, it was perfect, and it was six years old, you know, it, I was that age, and that's exactly what it sounded like. But after I finished uh, giving it to my mom and dad, the presentation, there was a pause. I remember my parents looking at one another, and then my mom saying something like, Well, looks like we may have another Mark Twain here. I had no idea who this Mark Twain guy was, but I knew his name sounded like Mark Train. And I love trains. I immediately liked that drawing slash tape recording combination. I wanted to keep adding to the content of my steam engine presentation or steam power. So I added something to the audio end of my presentation. I asked my dad if I could add something on. So he helped me and then I said at the end, This has been a report on Steam Power by Mark Train. It was my first made-up pen name. Now something unusual happened. I do remember hearing the playback of my recording and just hearing it made me want to redo the whole thing again. And then again. 
in order to add more facts that were coming into my head and just plain do it better. Evaluation. I needed to speak more clearly. I heard the weak parts of my voice, my poor enunciation, which I still fight with these days, and also began to remember more facts about steam power. I wanted to share more content. There was more. I could do this better. Now, for years to come in the future, this would turn into a superlative about technology use. If you can see or you can hear what you're doing and you know it's going to be presented to someone else, whether it be your peers, your other students, or your teacher, or to your parents, or to the community, you actually begin to evaluate and rework and polish your recorded project. It gives it more meaning. You want to keep improving. So in my career in education, I saw so many educators fall backward in the practical use of technology. I saw some other teachers that went forward and took off with it, and it was amazing if it caught on. Teachers often gave students one try at recording and then graded that one try. Now in life, you practice and perfect something for days or weeks if you're in business or if you're teaching or whatever you're doing. If you're giving a presentation, you don't just write it and give it unless you are greatly gifted and talented. Some people are. But for most of us, we write something and rework it and we keep rehearsing until we do it to the best of our ability. But in school, students were getting only one chance to record. In reality, and then actually after they'd record, the teacher might say something like, what would you do differently next time? Or what, you know, and there's a list. Uh, I'd speak more clearly. I didn't know I sounded that way. I have to sound more excited when I speak. I need more facts, w- whatever. That's why you need to record not just once. Personal growth. If given multiple times to hear and see personal growth or improvement, you should do, as, as a student, one take, for practice, and it might be good, but it might need improvement. Listen back to it. Take two would be to refine and add things. Take three might be your final cut. Now I learned something. As you recorded, you had to hold a microphone or set it down somewhere. It was about the size of an iPhone, maybe a little bit, about four inches, not six inches. But you would hold that microphone sometimes up to your mouth, and if you did that back then, On those machines, you would feel an immediate and sharp electric current enter your lips and resonate down to your core. What did I learn? Don't let the microphone touch your mouth, ever. Electrocution through mouth. (laughs) A few years later, my dad also brought home the very first industrial cassette deck after it had been invented and put out in the market. Cassettes were magic. I think cassettes are still magic. Small, compact, savable, easy to keep around. And I still have cassettes from back when I was 12 years old and probably older. Still record on them sometimes for ideas and things and songs and that. Now something I need to note right now is that back when my dad used to bring home technology equipment to be gone over for a weekend, He was always quick to point out to all of us that this technology he brought home for that weekend was not a toy. It wasn't ours to keep or play with. It did not belong to our family. It belonged to the school system, and it would return there after our technology trial tests. 
treat it gently. It was also something to take seriously. You could have fun with it, but you don't, you're not going to be silly with it when you're recording your voice and things. So as for me, when I was growing up in elementary school and junior high school, now called middle school, I lived far from my school. So I had friends at school, but they weren't nearby in my neighborhood. So I spent a lot of time by myself imagining things. And every time I thought I had a neighborhood friend, they'd move or they'd outgrow me. And I was told I was shy. You're shy. Yes, I was. When I finally arrived to high school, I knew I had to emerge and break through the shyness. Now, at that time, the Beatles, the band, the Beatles, had broken up about three years earlier, and I buried myself in their story and their songs. And then along came my great music friend, Fred Larson. He came along and, and changed my whole life. We wrote songs and we performed our own music. See Life's Learning Curve episode, Sometimes I Miss the Show. Anyway, beyond this, I was a drummer. I was a writer of stories at the time. I just wrote. I played football. I did track. Thursday, I was one person. And Friday came along and I was a totally different person. My heroes at the time were Lennon and McCartney, linebacker Dick Butkus, cartoonist and author Charles Schultz and artist Salvador Dali because they each moved their particular medium forward. And when they got to be too comfortable, they always moved on with something else, change. They taught me not only to change, but that change was necessary to move forward, to become better, to learn new things. Moving ahead, way ahead, now I'm teaching. I'm in the captain video part of this podcast. Ah, at last, but we had to have some of that backstory. Captain Video! Now I'm in my third year of teaching. I'm in my 20s. The time frame is around the mid-1980s. My principal at the time, his name was Don Gutman. It's a made-up name for the podcast. And one day... Principal Don Gutman called me into his office. Soft-spoken, he said, Paul, I thought that out of all the teachers here, you might be the guy to embrace something new, some new technology. Don carefully opened a large black case on his desk, and he carefully pulled something out. Wow. It was a camera. He showed me a camera. A video camera, and you could record audio, and you re- could record video on this camera. Now, prior to this, you could just record visual images on a film camera, but this was video. This was a new technology, and a camera at the consumer level. Wow! And it was slowly being introduced into schools, and of course, it was slowly being introduced for consumer use as well. Now, I was a, a third-year teacher at that point, and. To be honest with you, I really had not found my my groove yet, my niche, a way that I fit in to be unique. Unique to me. Seeing this camera, I became uber excited. And in the same manner as when my dad brought home that first reel-to-reel tape recorder, a missing link in my life had just been discovered. I felt that way. Principal Gutman showed me that the camera would connect 
and then record onto this giant three foot by four foot by one foot high VHS video cassette recorder. Then he challenged me. I had no idea at the time. This challenge would change my career in education and most of my future after that. Hey Paul, so Paul, can you make a list of possible uses for this camera and recorder besides the obvious kids reading a speech or kids giving a book report or reports? Yes. Oh yeah, Don, yeah. Yeah, of course I can. Yes, this is gonna be great. Thank you for the opportunity. And that's where video began for me. After I left Principal Don Gutman's office, I referenced my dad and my dad's technology test trials back when I was just six years old. I remember he would say, What might students like to use this for at school? Well, I needed to find that out. Is this practical for the classroom or school? Well, it had already been purchased and approved by the school district, and my principal wanted me to help find practical uses for this tool. Three, is it easy to use yourself, or do you think you'd need an adult to run this? Now, Principal Gutman made this pretty clear almost right away. The technology gear that had just come in was unique and it was costly and it was only to be used by me. After, of course, I'd been properly trained by him, of course. I would be the secondary resource for the staff. Now, if this camera, VCR Technology Talk, sounds very primitive to what we have today, yeah, it is. Because today we have smartphones along with uh, computers and wireless super fast Wi-Fi service where we can quickly and easily record ourselves and other people. We can do videos live. We can go online and chat. We can look up information. Just amazing stuff. And it's all right at our fingertips today. So in present day, it seems very common, very normal. Kids of all ages seem very overtly comfortable being recorded and also very comfortable being spontaneous and talking, giving dialogue while they're on the internet. But you jump back to 1980s and things were much different. What we had in front of us in the 1980s at that time was cutting edge technology in those years. Very few people had ever been recorded with video and for audio for immediate playback. After Principal Don Gutman trained me, I worked with the camera and recorder. I came in before school and played with it, and then did my school teaching, and then after school, I went back and played with it. When I say played with it, I'm, it felt like play because I was learning new things, things that he had not even taught me that the camera could do, that the recorder could do. Neat. It was good, I loved it. Neat, I discovered many things. Now I can tell you I was always drawn to cameras and writing and film production, but my parents knew me better than I knew myself. Uh, I've said that multiple times on the podcast and God bless them for that because they wisely kept me away from knowing anything about film schools out there. Film as a career in the 1970s was a hit or miss career. I don't know about today, I, can't, I don't know. Mostly it was a miss in the 1970s, but now, unless you had tremendous talent and some good connections. 
But now, I had a chance. This video technology was like an obsession or a brainstorm that wouldn't cease. I didn't sleep well for days, and I felt as if I was in on something that was like brand new, recording to a half-inch VHS tape, a cassette tape, in with a video camera. The cassette tape went into the recorder, the camera was separate off of a wire. That's how it was back then. With tremendous enthusiasm, like way too much, I took the camera and large bulky video cassette recorder to the very next faculty meeting. I demonstrated all of its uses, or most of the basic uses, I should say, to teachers and staff, aides, custodians, etc. Teachers stared at this thing as if they were seeing the Hiroshima atomic bomb. It was just about that big on the cart. The unit was set on this large, sturdy cart with a tube TV monitor on the top. I demonstrated its uses and just what it did and what it could do. Now, I heard something. I remember as I demonstrated things with the camera, I heard a couple of teachers gasp out loud. You know, the gasping. <gasps> now, I'm sure the same thing happened when photographs were first introduced. Photographs, pictures in the 1850s, right around then. Back then, people didn't want their photographs taken sometimes because they worried that the camera might take their souls as well as their photo. Some teachers were quite interested in what I was showing them, but they shied away because the technology learning curve was there. At last, I asked the teachers back in the faculty meeting for possible and practical school uses and ideas for the camera and the VCR. They came up with... Reading reports. Recording school, student book reports. Book reports. And students reading reports. All to the camera. Not much else. So Principal Don Gutman was right. A list of uses was necessary. Now, this episode is not meant to be about finding practical video uses for uh, technology in a, in a video camera, but I did get my students involved. 11-year-olds are great. If you get them to trust you and understand learning is ongoing throughout your life and that, well, we all make mistakes. We do. That's how we learn. We make mistakes and then we fix it. Some people pick it up right away. Some people make mistakes. It's more common to make a mistake though. And then you learn how to deal with learning. And you can use humor. You can support the student. But all without humiliation or feeling bad. If you can create that in a classroom, a lot of times students will produce beyond their own expectations. Engaged learning, right? <laughs> so... The day after the faculty meeting, I rolled the large bulky VCR cart and camera into my classroom and I plugged it in. I set the camera to take shots of everything that wasn't a student and I showed what this magic recording device could do. How the camera could fade to black and the iris could set the light for light or dark situations. We discussed that this camera was not going to be a place to mug or make faces or be goofy or silly. This was the real thing. We were better than that. We were blessed with an educational tool that most classrooms didn't have. And the students at that point looked serious and all nodded. They were with us. They were with me. I asked the students, what could this be used for at school? I told them that their ideas were important. Why? Because these would be shared with other schools, with other teachers, with other principals. These are ideas that teachers might use this technology for in their classrooms. 
This put us all on an equal level, the teacher and the students. We were coming up with ideas, brainstorming uses, and I still recall a few of these ideas. I remember uh, one being uh, somebody writing a short play or a short script and recording that, but it had to be written in the style of a certain author, Judy Bloom or Dr. Zeus, something like that. Students teaching other students how to do a skill, like in math, re reducing fractions. Um, conduct a science demonstration using scientific method. Acting out a short story or creating a movie where someone learned character traits, such as responsibility as a theme or, or being courageous, or being responsible, being great, brave, honesty, you know, one of those things. Now, I have to tell you, at the time, I had a favorite director in the real movie world, John Hughes. And he had just made a film called Sixteen Candles. Liked it. Now, I liked John Hughes' movies at the time, and I liked his approach and how he wrote. It was kind of this hip humor for the time. Kids liked that humor as well, and his content never talked down to kids, but it rather pointed out the obvious mundaneness of life and its problems. Somehow, writer-director John Hughes was able to fill these real-to-life situations in his films with ironic humor. It's like taking the worst part of your day when things go wrong and actually seeing the humor that's in it right there. Now some of John Hughes' films were movies like National Lampoon's Vacation, The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Uncle Buck, some of the Home Alone series. With that in mind, I felt maybe like I could be a burgeoning film writer-director, but in the classroom, obviously not the same level. The students decided to use the video camera to shoot stories about positive character traits. One short skit soon became a story. Then that story became a full act, and eventually we had written a 55-minute short film. With no more film training than just gut instinct, I recorded our movie in sequence in order of the scenes in which they were written with a pause button on a VCR shot by shot. Something interesting and unexpected began to happen in my classroom. This added technology made students look forward to their school day. So cool, and suddenly students were coming in early before school because they had ideas and they wanted to talk to me about the ideas. Can we do this? Can we do that? Can we make this happen? They turned in all their homework. What? Yeah, they turned in all their homework. That fight went away because they wanted to participate. Now, this didn't happen every year, but it happened that particular year. And overall, the students really became this working team. You know, sometimes in a classroom, certain years you'll have, it's 11-year-olds, so you'll have girls, and they don't talk to the boys, the boys don't talk to the girls. Or you'll have certain groups or cliques of people, and they don't mix well with each other. Nothing terrible, but just they just don't do it. They sit at different lunch tables, etc. But something happened. The, the classroom became this team where the girls were sitting working with the boys and people from one group were sitting with another group. It was really interesting. We were all the same thing. It was not a family, but it was very much a working team. Teamwork. Now, we had no way to edit back then, so like I said, we just shot in sequence. That school year, students created, developed, and wrote, and rewrote, and re-edited, etc., re-edited words and performed two short films. 
we shared what we did with other classrooms. Then we found viewership on a local cable television channel. One movie we did was a mystery comedy, and later in that school year, we did a parody of a spy movie. It was also comedy, it was parody. Both dealing with positive character traits, making positive choices. Since all the shooting was tethered to that large VCR recorded cart, our show's settings could only be made inside the school. So I became very itchy to shoot off the school's location for a scene or to get necessary exterior establishing shots of buildings or locations. One day I was expressing my desire to shoot outside to my principal Don Gutman who had seen what we were doing in the classroom and approved very strongly. He smiled quietly and he said to me, Paul, I see you're evolving already. You're changing, you're moving forward because you're comfortable with what you're doing. Looks like you want to move on. You know, let me see what I can do. I know a guy at the high school next door, the language arts team leader. He's charged with a portable, over-the-shoulder video recording pack. Oh, it's yeah. like what we have, but you can wear it over your shoulder. You can walk around with it. His name is Webster McCalley. I call him Webby. <laughs> I also call him Captain Video because he was the first guy in the school district to get a VCR and the tech gear, the portable one. And for the people with the cameras and recorders in the district, we're supposed to share our technology with each other. Whoa, really? An outside unit? You mean you could take it outside and shoot? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was excited. Yeah. My brain raced with ideas. Hey, Paul, let me see if I can make a phone and see if we can borrow the portable recorder. After Principal Don Gutman made a couple of attempts to contact Captain Video, he finally came back with the answer. No, no. he cannot be borrowed. Two times. No, the third no. time, Principal Don Gutman phoned another friend at the high school, an assistant principal who knew nothing about this portable VCR recorder unit, but he would look into it. Check it out, Don. That afternoon, I was called to the office for a phone call. Don, phone call. Back then, we didn't have phones in the classroom. You had to go to the office to receive a phone call. On the phone was Webby, or Captain Video. Now, here's the deal. I expected a guy like me who lived in the world of ideas and creation and, and, and writing, but what I got was quite different. As my principal stood right next to me, listening in on the receiver, because he wanted to hear what was going on, he overheard our phone call. Hello, Paul Hart? Hey, who are you to want to borrow my VCR porta pack No, you can't. Have it? No. Is this Webby? Yeah, hi, I was told maybe I could borrow your porta pack your video pack for a shoot in a day or so. Or, you know, maybe just for a school day. The portable video unit does not leave the high school. I began to realize that I needed to create a deal or make a bridge or something with this guy. How could I make this easy for you, Webby? Are you using it on Friday? because I heard that we're all supposed to share this equipment between our schools, and I have a brief need for your porta pack So how about it? You are just another teacher, 
They can't tell his from his elbow, and you want me to loan you this tactical gear? Principal Gutman then said, uh, Let me talk to him, Paul. Now, Principal Gutman took the phone and walked into his office. The cord reached in there. And he talked a bit, and after probably less than a minute, Principal Gutman handed the phone back to me. Hello, Webby? Captain Video hesitated. Okay, well, so who, who the are you again? I'm a teacher here at Cascade Road School, I'm right next door to the high school. With no audible enthusiasm, Captain Video agreed. Yeah, okay. Oh, great. Hey, can I pick it up after school Friday? Okay. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Here's our deal. You pick up the portable recorder at my house in McHenry. A one-hour drive. By 4 p.m. on Friday, and I want it back at 6.30 p.m. on that same Friday. His reason? My kids will be having a birthday sleepover then, and I need the camera back at my house. Confused, I actually said the quiet part out loud. It's at your house? The camera? The porta pack I-, I thought it never left the high school. Oops. I should have kept my mouth shut. But why did he have it at home? The day of borrowing and using the video porta pack and shooting the scene finally arrived. After school, five parents would drive their five children and meet me at a local park at 5.15. It was a Friday, as I said, and we would sequentially shoot the necessary shots, the outdoor shots, yeah. We would shoot the very overly rehearsed climax of our film involving the character trait of responsibility. But first, I had to get the porta pack As I moated one hour north to McHenry. I was confused as to why I couldn't pick it up next door at the high school. Why was this camera pack at his house during the school week? I arrived a bit early and Captain Video himself answered the door. Now I hadn't met him. He was a tall, kind of thin man with a long face. Still gruff and looking a bit annoyed and definitely irritated. He begrudgingly demonstrated how to use it properly and left me with if it's not back here by 6 30 tonight i will make a call to the police and your principal you know it's funny but i was grateful i had just been handed an opportunity you know maybe captain video was just in a slump i was grateful to have this portable video gear and the camera I inserted my master tape to be recorded into the porta pack, pushed it down and the tape engaged. I assured Captain Video one more time that everything would be okay. And it was. When I arrived at the park by the big oak tree, the students and the parents had all arrived. Previously, we had rehearsed this scene many times, and I knew it could be shot in probably 15, 20, 25 minutes or less. We did some last-minute rehearsals, and we did some blocking so people knew where to stand and where to move while they were speaking. 
and very soon we were ready to shoot beneath that giant oak tree. Now the premise of the video, or the premise of the scene I should say, it was the spy spoof movie, was this. While at the park, our protagonists, heroes, were restrained as the antagonist, the bad person, explodes the dreaded whipped cream bomb. Now think of it. We're using the word bomb, and these are children, so we needed something that was something very not harmful. There's nothing less harmful than having to eat your way out of a delicious, creamy bunch of whipped cream. A whipped cream bomb. Even if it was real, it could not be dangerous. It would just be fluffy, creamy, and delicious. However, the evening prior, when purchasing the whipped cream, I discovered it to be quite expensive for the seven bottles I was going to buy, the spray bottles. So I opted for purchasing something a little bit less expensive that was recommended to me, shaving cream. So I provided shaving cream to uh, the cans to seven or eight of the parents to enhance the scene with whipped cream, that whipped cream look. So actually it was exploding shaving cream, but we called it whipped cream. Nothing ever exploded either. It was done through a series of close-up shots, the spraying of the whipped cream. And all went well. It was a gorgeous spring day. I recall the sun and the weather seemed to just cooperate. It was at, like it had been staged for us. The Porta Pack video worked flawlessly. When it came to exploding the whipped cream bomb, when it was supposed to blow up, it was done by shooting short, fast close-ups, which created this illusion of a detonation. And then later I added a sound effect. You could do an audio dub back then. Parents helped spray the shaving cream up in the air in front of the camera lens with the kids in the background, making it look like a lots of thick shaving cream up close, but the focal length made it look like whipped cream was going everywhere. All nonviolent, good old shaving cream. We all laughed and enjoyed our time that afternoon together. But suddenly, I realized I needed to get the porta pack back to irritable and uber grouchy Captain Video and McHenry. I thanked the parents and the kids for making that extra effort. And the parents reciprocated by thanking me for the school year being such a positive experience. I didn't expect that. That felt good. <laughs> As the families waved goodbye and motored back home, I looked at the few fading bubbles of shaving cream still left on the ground. There wasn't a lot left. Most of it had already faded and bubbled out, as I called it. I knew that I had to leave right then, or Captain Video might, you know, call the police on me. I ejected my master tape from the porta pack and carefully placed it in a protective sleeve. I decided that I would return the porta pack to McHenry and then return to the park. And if there's any other necessary cleanup, I would take care of that. Driving with safety and speed, those two don't seem to really go together, but I'm gonna keep it. Driving with safety and speed, I reached Captain Video's house by 6.15. Early, oh yeah, early. I knocked on his front door. When the door swung open, Hi Webby, I said. He made no eye contact, he just reached out and he took the porta pack from me and closed the door on me. Standing there on the front porch stoop, I loudly yelled, Thanks, Captain Video. He replied, off. 
with a sigh and a grand sense of relief and finality that it was my day. It was finally completed. I drove an hour back to the park. It was unexpected when the rain began. I was less than probably a mile away from the park at that time, but a spring storm had quickly developed late in the day, blowing in from the western mid-midwest. Almost immediately, the downpour became severe, and although there was no hail, the rain hit my car so hard it sounded like gunshots. I had to pull over. The storm raged. But minutes later, I finally arrived back at the park. The rain continued. It was heavy. A torrential downpour continued. And I slowly idled and slowly passed the location we shot at by the big oak tree. It was drenched. I knew it was raining too hard to get out at that time. I didn't have an umbrella. I didn't have rain gear. And I was sure that the rain had reversed and finally eliminated the rest of the shaving cream. But, to my surprise, I saw that whatever had remained of the shaving cream had done just the opposite. The rain had made the shaving cream double, maybe triple in size. What was once a strip of shaving cream that was maybe one foot by two feet, that's it, had now bubbled up to this giant foamy mass about five feet by, I don't know, six feet high. Oh no, what? It had been the rain that had made the foamy, creamy, soft, fluffy monster of a blob. Now, it looked like something was invading the park. It just looked unnatural. The rain was intense, and the situation was out of control. I parked my car, I jumped out, and it must have looked, if anybody's looking out their windows to the park, it must have looked like I was crazy. I, I was out there by the shaving cream, and I was knocking it and shoving it sideways to make it look smaller, but every time I shoved the shaving cream, it was like pouring water on a grease fire. The more I shoved the shaving cream, the more it grew with the help of the pulsing rain. It was the rain that was increasing the bubbles. Ah, I wasn't helping myself. Drenched, I jumped in the car and I sped off. I kept driving and I prayed that it all would dissolve down into nothing. I, I hope I hadn't hurt anything. I was not proud of this, but I was out of options. When the rain stopped that evening around 8.30 that night, I drove back to the big oak tree in the park. Clear. It had all dissolved. It was gone. Now for me, hour by hour, this particular day I had spent doing so much, driving so far back and forth and trying to make everything work in a time frame. It had been a day that was full of odd, diverse, angry stress sometimes. And it was a day full of happiness and pure joy. <laughs> As for the video we shot that day, the final video sequence came off very well. The student actors and the parent prop people all had contributed to this resounding success. The outdoor shots created from Captain Video's Portapack video recorder made our project much better. And it helped clarify our video's meaning. It did what it was intended to do. Good. So overall, in the end, 
having to drive four hours back and forth to get this recorder just to placate Captain Video, coordinating parents, shooting a scene. After doing all this, the real story, the real actual story of that day was what the rain did to the shaving cream. <laughs> I sat at home that night. After it really was all over, I could not help but compare my dad to Captain Video. One person used technology for testing and learning and helping others. The other person took it home for personal use. Hmm, contrast. So, what did we learn in this? What did I learn in this? As I said before, just like my high school heroes had taught me, Lennon and McCartney, linebacker Dick Butkus, Charles Schultz, Salvador Dali, I noticed way back then that each moved their particular medium forward. And when they got to the point where they were too comfortable, they always moved on to something else or did something in a different way. It was change. Here I had come up against an overt belligerent, profanity-filled educator, as it turned out, had actually never brought that porta pack to school since he had received it. He took it right home. Apparently, he was having some deep character trait issues himself. Honesty, uh, integrity, uh, ownership, definitely. He had kept it at home for his own personal use, and I remember many years back, my dad always was quick to point out that the new technology he had brought home, my dad was not a toy, it was not ours to keep, or it was not ours to play with. It didn't belong to our family, it belonged to the school system. And it would go back and stay there after our technology test trials. So after my encounter with Captain Video, his assistant principal told him he had to immediately return that equipment to the high school. Many years later, I ran into Captain Video and I tried to talk to him. And he just gave me the cold shoulder or the old mid-Midwest brush off. <laughs> As for Captain Video, he demonstrated his version of change. He was opportunistic and somewhat selfish. He made changes to help himself for his own benefit. And I decided just to myself, I would never treat another person like he treated me. Because of Captain Video, it reminded me that I should always try and treat people with respect and dignity. And it's a good idea to share as well. Now, I've said this before, and I still mean it. I, you know, I'm not sitting here saying I'm a perfect person. I am most definitely not perfect. But I continue to try and become a better version of me. Because when we try to do that, other people might see themselves in a better light. And may even thrive or excel from our efforts. They may do something great because of something you've done. It's life's learning curve, right? For Life's Learning Curve, I'm Paul Hart. Subscribe to Life's Learning Curve at lifeslearningcurve.org and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser. 
Episode 54, Captain Video of Life's Learning Curve Podcast was put together by producer Sebastian T. Dog, executive producer Paul Hart. As always, audio and sound, Riley Hart. This episode has imaginative voice recreations to protect the privacy of others. Some names have been changed and characters conflated. Captain Video, episode 54. I'm Paul Hart, and we will be back soon with more stories from Life's Learning Curve. <laughs>